0: is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and leadership coach, and today I welcome back a dear friend and colleague, Selena Resvani. Selena, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Caroline, and thank you so much for having me. It's a thrill to be here and to get to work with you
0: again. Oh, thank you. It's really delightful to have you on, and we're going to have a juicy conversation and go right to your expertise and discuss how organizations can be more welcoming to women and how women can overcome some barriers that they might be facing when dealing with advancement, because I know you spend your time assessing workplace cultures so they're friendlier to women. So what's the difference maker for companies that are really good at this?
1: Yeah, you know, one is this culture of courage, I would say. That's a a huge distinguishing factor at companies that are getting it right or on the journey to getting it right. And what I mean by that is it can be scary, right, to open your culture and say, go ahead, assess away, you know, come in. Absolutely, yeah, it's vulnerable. Yeah, talk to my female and male employees and poke around this kind of sensitive stuff. And so I think that's the first piece just a kind of raw courage to say, look, chances are we could be welcoming and including women even more. Um, come on in, measure perceptions you know, survey our people, fo- you know, do focus yeah. groups with people. Um, you know, in some companies, we even talk to people who've left right. to say, you know, what was it that didn't give you the career you wanted here? So I think that's a huge underestimated piece, um, that willingness. And I think the other thing I'm seeing more and more, especially with all that's going on with the movements today right. in the workplace, is transparency. Yeah. Um, you know, we recently passed Equal Pay Day, and, uh-huh. and in doing so, I'm noticing a trend towards more companies opening the books, for example, to yeah. say, here's what we pay, or let's stop talking about salary history, for example, and you know just offer a very transparent, clear range that everybody has access to. And I think that's a, an important movement.
0: Oh, I think so, too. And, and as you know, uh, as the negotiating guru that you are and have taught so many women how to negotiate powerfully, that that transparency, I believe, allows us the information we need to be able to negotiate. Right. You're, you know, I tell
1: every woman that I I train in negotiating that your prep is the power stage, right? Your insight is your platform um, to speak with confidence. And boy, do I see that time and again. Every one of us sits a little, you know, straighter. We speak with more conviction when we know our stuff. Absolutely. So the fact that these companies are opening their books kind of changes the game. In a really positive way for women, um, and that that delights me
0: excellent. So Selena, you did a recent study on men and women and stretch opportunities. So tell us about this and and why stretch opportunities in particular.
1: yeah, good old stretch. like why <laughs> is this exciting? Um, you know number one, I think these these are career making. And that's what really interested us at literally in stretch opportunities. You know, um, these are those kind of twofers. by the way, for anyone who's unfamiliar, these assignments that require expertise outside your regular domain, yeah. you know, your regular day-to-day duties. And they're kind of all the rage. Um, you know, companies like them because they offer people a bit of a dry run, a trial, Um, to see someone's competence, you know, watching them stretch into a new area. And, you know, on the the flip side, employees tend to like them because they give you this temporary kind of chance to showcase, here's what I've got, or to get exposure, you know, to a new division or a new group of leaders. So I think a big piece was they're timely, they're very woven into workplace culture today. Um, and we wanted to poke around and look a little bit at how people negotiate these assignments. Ah, yeah. What are they thinking? How do they size them up? Um, do do men and women want the same things?
0: And and can you give us a peek at at what you found in the study? Yeah, absolutely.
1: This is coming out in June, but. Caroline, with you, I would share anything. Oh,
0: well, thank you. <laughs> I'm grateful. We won't. No spoiler alert, but maybe just a little, a little whiff of what yeah, what was uh, unearthed.
1: Sure. So, first of all, what was exciting was to see that women and men have extremely level ambition. When we look at the top top spots, you know, and ask what is your appetite to move to SVP or C-suite level, men and women have the same responses when we aggregate that to include you know that top seat as well as the next level down director and we combine the two women edge out men you know 81 percent of women we surveyed want to be at that director and above level
0: interesting yeah
1: 77 percent of men um what's what's Kind of more uh, granular, though, as we dig into the data a bit more, is that when people study that negotiating stretch assignment, right, um, women are more likely to set a higher bar for themselves. And that, that probably won't surprise you and your Not work, Carol. at all, Yeah. that, you know, women have this higher bar. So the women we surveyed said, I'm more likely to feel like I need to be performing at that next level where men may be more comfortable, you know, being promoted on potential. Wow.
0: And tell me, in the stretch assignments, are women asking for them or are sponsors and advocates in the organizations seeking out women and men who are uh, excited about these opportunities, as you said, tapping potential?
1: Yeah, you know, we've interviewed dozens of C-level women as well in our organization and Many of them talk about the two-way street of it, both being offered an opportunity, being tapped, or or having it, you know, thrown out in the conference room with the expectation that someone's going to raise their hand and volunteer, right? Sometimes it's delivered that way. And sometimes it's more of a direct ask. It's more of a negotiated proposal you're making. You know, hey, I see a need. I see a problem. And I have a potential solution in mind. Would you let me? you know, lead this great initiative.
0: And, you know, I'm smiling ear to ear when I hear that because I'm all about empowering women and men to be able to ask. And and I know you as the, the master negotiator would, would probably agree that you'll never get it if you don't ask. So by all means, put yourself out there.
1: Yeah, music to my ears, what you're saying, you know, no, no ask, no get. And the other thing that I find is, is so lush and productive for negotiating, but is very underused, is when you're asked to do something or lead something, and some of it works for you, but not all of it. Many times people will see it as a black and white you know, I either say yes, or I back away. And there's such an incredible gray area where, you know, I would like to lead that wonderful project, but I can't travel all the weeks of the year you're requesting. Would you consider X? You know, how about why? And I think that conversation goes missing so that you can run a stretch opportunity
0: more on your own terms. Oh, that's great. Such good wisdom to hear because it's not either or, right? How do you negotiate the nuances in between? Wonderful. So, Selena, let me ask how are men and women investing their time? differently at work. Do you see patterns or differences here? You know, it's a fascinating time. Uh, we're, We're seeing a lot more paternity leave for men, for example, and a lot of flexible and virtual work schedules. Do you see any patterns with men and women? Uh,
1: yes, we do. And we, we are really interested in knowing even more about this. But one of the things we found is that men today in our study tell us that they're investing more time in hard skill development, like oh, okay. their basic technical skill set. Um, and women were more likely to say, I'm building my network. I'm working on my personal brand. Right. And so it's kind of interesting to think about how people are looking at their own currency. You know, what, where are they putting their investment of time and what are they trying to build up? For women, it's more of these networks and relationships. And for men, it's more often that skill development. Um, there's one other thing I think that's worth pointing out, which is women in our study were more likely to say, you want to know what makes me want to say no to a stretch assignment? Politics. Huh. Yeah. So, so politics kind of being insurmountable or looking just too entrenched You know, to set me up for success in taking a stretch assignment, that's something that came through, um, you know, in an even more pronounced way uh, for women in our particular study.
0: Very interesting. So is there any follow-up that uh, might tell women, hey, don't neglect the hard skills, you know, do leverage your networks, do focus on your brand and the emotional intelligence, but let's not fall behind the man in, in the hard skills, or is that to be determined?
1: Yeah, you know, I think there is a great case to to be made. You know, you've probably heard the term, like, are women being (laughs) over-mentored? Are they, you know, kind of being pushed to the land of soft skills so much and brand um, that, you know, they're not shoring up their day-to-day work? And, you know, I'm a big believer. i met, as I've said, I've sat down with so many executive women and many of them said, look, you don't need to be top dog, uh, technically speaking. If, as the CFO, you don't need to be the number one world's most brilliant financial mind. You need to know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need That's to great. know enough to ask hard questions yeah, yeah. and you know really analyze something um, and look at it from different angles. That's what you need. And so I'm still a believer in that. I'm a believer in you need to know enough but, you know, that we don't want to go to the other extreme, which is kind of, I need to be the leading expert. I need to be perfect
0: at uh, this. Yes, the perfection paradox, because it just doesn't exist, right? And, and as we say in the entrepreneurial word, uh, world, uh, 80% can be good enough to go.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, every job today, you are working with imperfect information. You're working, you know, with half the insight you'd like into the problem you're trying to solve or the client you're trying to help. Right. I mean, it's such a luxury to have all the variables. Um, So I think getting comfortable with the gray area and ambiguity is quite the superpower.
0: absolutely. So speaking of superpowers, you've got this extraordinary role as a VP at Be Leaderly, and your focus is really helping organizations explore what makes work work for men and women. So what needs more discussion or exploration in, in this role from your purview? What do you think we still need to tackle?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And, um, you know, I think the first thing is really inviting men and having men themselves, you know, step up to sit at the table together and problem solve what's going on at work. Uh, my observation is that there's a kind of polite, tentative relationship right now. Yes, well um, put. You know, yeah. <laughs> men are wearing, you know, the pins on the tuxedo to say mm-hmm. I support movements. Um, and that's great and everything. But I really think there's something missing about sitting elbow to elbow, men and women together and co-creating the future, looking at what's wrong, coming up with hacks and solutions to create a workplace that's better. You know, so much research, Accenture's done excellent research showing what helps women, often initiatives that help women help men.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know? Yes. Yeah, when you put some sunlight on the promotion, um, you know, uh, initiatives and rules, for example, you make them clear for everyone.
0: I'm so glad you said that, Selena, because it's not a them and us, right? We are all in this together. And thank you for, for being so candid about that. So you certainly don't have to name names of organizations unless you you choose to do so. But are there some great things happening out there from, from your vantage point, some success stories where companies are really moving the needle?
1: Yeah, I think one is GoDaddy, actually. And I just wrote about this in Forbes because it was... Just really important to share, I think. But they came up with this great solution called promotion flagging. Huh. Um, yeah, and so what this does is it doesn't totally leave it on the employee to approach a boss and say, hey, I think I'm ready for a promotion. Built into their system is a flag that notifies a manager, you know, so and so has been here 18 months. It's time to sit down and have a conversation with them. It, it's such a simple intervention, if you think about it, um, setting a timed flag to trigger a conversation between a boss and manager or a boss and employee. Um, and yet it's effective in saying, yes. where are you? Yes. How? You know, What is your interest to move up? Because this is often the time frame at which people are thinking about the next step. So I love that. Um, You know, I think a great thing Starbucks has done specifically around pay is they have gotten rid of, as I said, salary history. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyone who asks the range of a job is uh, is given that information freely, which is really wonderful. That's a breakthrough. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and they've also published, you know, broadly their own equity practices so that it's not kind of, well, what is the company's take on this? I mean, right. it's very clear and public, um, you know, for other companies to, to get some inspiration from. So I think that those are, you know, two examples of organizations that I think are trying new things and taking a stand. Um, you know, one more I'll mention is Accenture, who you know, talk about taking a stand has said in no kind of uh, unclear terms, men and women are equal, period. Love it. You know, and are really spending some of their airtime and and dedicating more than many other companies to say, let's fix our problems. You know, we're the only ones who are going to fix the kind of proportions of men and women getting to equal. Nobody's going to come along and grant us that. So it's a thrill to see that kind of personal responsibility.
0: It's exciting. And I think they are role model companies, all three that you mentioned for other organizations, big and small. And those action steps matter and they add up to so much. Selena, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. You are a rock star and I am so grateful for your role at Be Leaderly and I I read you on Forbes and I follow you. And I I wanna remind our audience, one of my favorite books on the planet is your award-winning book called Pushback, how smart women ask and stand up for what they want. And it's available widely and certainly at Amazon as well. Selena, thank you so much. Thank you, Caroline. Keep inspiring as you do me. Thanks, my dear. You have a great rest of the day and I hope our paths cross again soon. And I want to remind our global audience that if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and even better, leave us a review and let me know what career development topics you would like for me to address on the show. You can find me at Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I want to give a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, our Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our executive producer, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.